Alright, welcome to the Confirmation Podcast. This one is going to be for Wednesday, October 24th. Uh, we're covering a gigantic thing this week, um, and it is uh, the heading is of Tents and Kings. Now, if you remember, uh, last week we kind of talked about Exodus, right? We talked about the, the people of Israel leaving, uh, um, leaving Egypt and going into the Promised Land. And there's sort of this time that I think I called a wilderness school last week, right? That it's, it's this idea that they have things that they have to learn. And so now we're going to hear about what happens when they actually take possession of it. Now, here's the tricky thing. We have, let me see how many books we have to cover. We have one, two. We have to cover through jo- Joshua and then Judges and then Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, that's nine. I mean, that's a lot of books to cover. And so what I'm going to try to do, we're going to summarize a lot of it. Uh, I'm going to run through uh, as much of it as we possibly can, but kind of more than anything, I'm trying to help you see the narrative, kind of what's happening in the story. So and especially when we hit those really big events, those really important moments in the life of, uh, of, the, of the Bible, that we kind of uh, know when those are and what's happening when, okay? All right, so let's, let's jump right into it. We're going to start off with Joshua. Joshua is a really good book. Um, it, we use it when, when we talk about it in church most often. And we talk about sort of the promises that show up in it, that um, Joshua uh, wants really to, to be connected always to God and to help people stay faithful to what it is that God is asking of them. Um, this is the, the, when you're kind of running through this, Joshua is the one who takes over for Moses after Moses dies. And Joshua goes in, and, and this is where you get important stories. You get important stories about uh, crossing the Jordan River. Uh, this is the, the fall of Jericho, where they circle the walls and blow trumpets, and after seven of them, the walls fall down. Um, and it actually ends, you get to the end of the book, and they've kind of settled now back into the Promised Land. All the different tribes, there's 12 tribes, right, uh, based on the 12 brothers, and they've all kind of settled in the different parts of this new country that they have uh, kind of taken back for their for themselves. And at the very end, then, we get this passage from Joshua. It's Joshua 24. And so um, here we go. Let's listen to Joshua 24, because this idea of covenant continues on here. <clears throat> All right, our first reading is going to come from Joshua 24, and this is actually... Uh, Joshua speaking. So, then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and some of the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. And then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in its midst. And afterwards I brought you out. And when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your ancestors with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Afterwards, you lived in the wilderness for a long time. And we're going to skip down to verse 14. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. 
But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. And therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. All right, there we go. So so now we've heard about sort of this covenant, this commitment that Joshua is calling the people to continue to live out, to, to live in this good relationship with God along the way. Now that's really important about what's that relationship between God and the people of Israel? How does that kind of get lived out every single time? Now from there, really quickly, there's a book after this called Ruth. And Ruth is a fantastic book, by the way, really short. So if you're ever thinking, ah, I just want to read a whole book of the Bible, this one is, I think, four chapters long. So I mean, you're not, you're not having to deal with a whole, whole lot. Um, and what makes it pretty amazing is um, th- the reason why this one is so important, and it involves Ruth. Ruth is actually a, a, a she is from another country called Moab. She's not a person of Israel, but manage, comes back to take care of her mother-in-law after uh, everybody uh, has sort of died along the way. It's where did you, you get these this great passage. It actually shows up quite a bit in um, weddings where... Um, Let's see. So she will say things, uh, Ruth will say things to her mother-in-law, like, uh, wherever you're going to go, I'm going to go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. She's sort of saying, I am going to be here alongside you the whole way. And so she goes along with Naomi. They meet this uh, man named Boaz, um, and and Ruth and Boaz sort of uh, uh, fall in love and have children. And what's important is, is that uh, that's one step in genealogy, right? Remember, family is really important. That that covenant promise that keeps moving is really important. And eventually, that's going to make its way to David, who is really important when it comes to this whole kings thing that uh, is in our heading. All right, so Ruth, really good, really good book. Definitely take a look at it. After we get to Ruth, though, we get into something called the Judges. Now, the Judges have this really fascinating pattern that happens over and over and over again. So... Basically, if you remember the uh, the passage that we got from Joshua just a second ago, you know that story is basically over and over and over again. It's saying you have to stay stay committed to the Lord your God, to Yahweh, as your God. Now the thing is though is that people eh, fail to do that over and over and over again. And so whenever things get bad um, and they the people have been taken over. Uh, and it kind of changes depending on who it is. Sometimes it is the uh, Philistines, who we'll hear about when we get to David again. Um, sometimes it is, again, those that, that country of Moab, which we talked about uh, with, um, uh, with Ruth. Uh, all these different kind of neighboring areas. The things, When things fall apart, they lift up judges. And we sort of hear these really quick stories of judges who kind of pop up, after when the people have been unfaithful and taken over and God lifts up a judge and judge is not a person who you know makes sort of decisions not not what we think of as a judge like in a courtroom but this is instead a leader that gets lifted up in order to um call the people towards better prosperity. So it starts off with people like this guy named Othniel. Yeah, Othniel. We always name our children after Othniel. Um Othniel rises up, he goes to war, um they prevail over whoever has taken them over, uh, and then 
everything is good for a time. And it starts, it's interesting actually, as you walk through it, the amount of time gets less and less and less. So Othniel, it's 40 years. Everything's working well with 40 years. And then the next one, we have Ehud, um, who is, by the way, and always an interesting distinction, he's left-handed. I don't know why they always want to point that out to you. But uh, um, after that, there is a guy named Shamgar. And it kind of keeps going. There's one especially I want to lift up, and, hit, and it's Deborah. And Deborah convinces a person named uh, Barak, um, uh, who, which, by the way, Barak means blessed, um, and so she says, she kind of gathers the people together, and she becomes this judge that helps to lead the people into this battle and um, and take back uh, uh, the land of Israel for the people there. Now, after that, and, and it'll keep going, it'll keep going, it'll keep going, and you get people like, you've heard the name Gideon, maybe, that's one of the judges. Um, the most famous one, of course, at the end of the book is Samson, and even then, um, Samson is not a great person. <laughs> when you read through it, he's, he's actually pretty terrible to everybody around him, um, uh, but does, of course, get uh, uh, kind of convinced or, or has the haircut by Delilah and, yeah, just all that whole story. So so it ends in a place where this whole judge's thing just isn't quite working out the way that it should, and after that, you get somebody named Samuel, so first and second Samuel. Now, Samuel gets called at the very beginning to be uh, sort of the new judge. He's going to be a prophet and that God is calling. Now, I'm gonna, we're actually going to read, uh, and this part is going to be pretty important. There's two books in the book of 1 Samuel that I really want you to pay attention to because they're really, really important. Um, so the first one is going to be from 1 Samuel Three. Now, there's going to be a special assignment in our class, and I especially want those of you who are in, this is your, um, let's see, you, this is your second year, so you're probably in eighth grade. Um, if this is your second year, I want you to especially pay attention to this story from 1 Samuel 3. Just listen real close. A reading from 1 Samuel 3. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and then the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain him. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. 
Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. All right, there we go. So that gives us that story that kind of uh, helps us get to know what is happening in 1 Samuel. Now, um, let's see. So after after Samuel has uh, come along, um, there's sort of these times when things begin to change a little bit. Samuel in some ways does act as a judge at some points. He is a military leader who kind of helps the people rise up against uh, the Philistines. And there comes a point after that, though, where the people say, they look around and they say, look, everybody else has got a king. We should get a king too. And Samuel says, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Kings will take advantage of you. They will uh, make you go fight for them. They will... um, they will take your money. They will make you work for things that you uh, that are more for their glory than for the people. Um, are you? I don't think this is a good idea. Plus, no matter what, remember you have declared your faithfulness ultimately to God. God is your king and watches over you, lifts up these judges. And the people go, no, 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 no. We still want a king. We still want a king. And so um, they get somebody named Saul. Saul's the first king of the people of Israel. Um, he is. He tries over and over again to do faithful things. He uh, he's a, a he fights. Um, he ch- goes around and tries to uh, do good things. And eventually, though, he does. He doesn't quite ever listen to God, and so he kind of falls into the same pattern. Falls into disobeying, of really only caring for what is most important to him. And so it's at that point, and really one of the big, the fine, one of the final things that Samuel does is he goes and he finds the next king. And that is going to be David. And now let's hear a little story about that. We're going to hear from, uh, this is 1 Samuel uh, 16, 1 to 13. And while that last one, I, the, in the one from 1 Samuel 3, I wanted the second year folks, the eighth graders, to hear that one. Now, if you're in your first year, pay attention to this story really, really well, okay? 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. All right, so now we're going to hear from 1 Samuel 16. David anointed as king. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him for being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the... Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite, for I have provided... For myself, a king among his sons, Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a... Heifer. Heifer with you. And say, I have come to sacrifice to you, the Lord. Invite Jesse and this... To invite Jesse to the sacrifice, I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I named to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you do you come peaceably? Peaceably. He said, Peaceably, I have Come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sacri- sanctify. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And 
he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And they came, he looked on Eliab, Eliab, and that surely the Lord anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, Mm -hmm. because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab Abinadab, Mm -hmm. and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mighty upon David. From the day, from that day forward, Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. And thank you very much, Faith Cruz. All right, there we go. Now we have kind of heard the stories of of what it is that that gets Saul, what gets David, and we're going to just kind of race through this really quickly. So Saul doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to stop being uh, king, but at the end of First Samuel, he ends up uh, dying in battle with the Philistines after trying to kill David for because he's convinced that David is trying to take his throne, and so um, after that. David comes up, and and you get all kind of the. By the way, before this, you get the David and Goliath story that happens um, before that. But so you do kind of uh, run through all of the stuff that David does. Um, he goes. He has some some problems in his own family that kind of come from this. Uh, he ends up having to fight off people to get the whole kingdom. Um, he defeats the Philistines. He does all the things he's supposed to do. He kind of gathers all the people, establishes Jerusalem as the city that that will be all of what uh, of. Uh, um, of what Israel will always be about. And so there's always these kinds of things. There does come a point, though, where David does something he's not supposed to. He essentially uh, steals another person's wife. Her name is Bathsheba, and she'll be important in just a minute. Um, but and and uh, ends up the person uh, the person who he is stealing his wife from is Uriah. His name, his name is Uriah, who ends up having basically having killed in battle, um, so that he could marry uh, Bathsheba, and they have children together. Notably, one of those will be Saul. And so a lot of David's ending, uh, the la- last part of his life, is kind of lament for these things that he has done wrong. He values some children over others. That should ring a bell. <laughs> that happens kind of a lot. Um, and so things just kind of go wrong some of the time, but, but David ends up being kind of fine in the end. Um, and so sort of sing songs of praise. I mean, when we jump to Psalms in a few weeks, that's going to be a lot of what he has to say, uh, in that work. All right. So from there, the beginning of first Kings puts us with a new King and that is Solomon. 
Now, Solomon, there's a big fight about which one of David's sons should be in charge, and uh, basically, <laughs> due to infighting and lots of fun political stuff, uh, Solomon is the one who ends up being lifted up. Now, Solomon's really young, and so the first thing that he does is he asks God for wisdom, and God blesses him with wisdom. And and in some ways, he does that well. He, he first off, builds God a temple, um, which... Uh, um, which is is one of the most important things that really Solomon will ever do is um, build this temple to God, a place where God sort of resides, and that the people can be certain of God's presence. Now, God, I should also mention, uh, while he also, uh, while God has also kind of said, well, if you want a king, that's fine, but I am still ultimately your king. Uh, even with the temple, is sort of saying, all right, look, I mean, you can build me a temple, that's fine, but just know I am bigger than your temple, and you can't just sort of cage me in there. Now, at the same time, though, uh, Solomon starts getting wealthier and wealthier. Um, he keeps getting, he marries a, a whole lot of people, um, and it just kind of gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And so we have this trend that will show up um, where with all of the building that he wants to do, uh, you can tell there's this term sometimes where the kings begin to believe that they are big and great. I mean, it's kind of fulfilling that prophecy that Samuel had about this is how kings can behave. And so um, from there, he has a son named Rehoboam, who people around him say, look, 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 uh, there's a lot of building that happened with your father. Uh, Why don't you just dial it down a little bit? And Rehoboam says, no, I'm going to step this up. What ends up happening, actually, is that there is a rebellion. This, the country of Israel actually splits in two. The northern part is known as Israel. The southern part is known as Judah. And so um, after that, you kind of hear stories in uh, in First and Second Kings um, about how those different kings kind of behave. There's a few good ones. But mostly they're kind of bad and terrible. And so uh, over and over and over again, the the people are sort of um, uh, led by poor leaders, led by poor kings. And so another group of people has to rise up out of that, and that's the prophets. And so one of the first major prophets that you get is Elijah. And Elijah speaks out against uh, all the different kings during his time. And really, uh, there is uh, lots of fighting during that time. Um, there are things with a person named Ahab. You, if you've ever heard the term Jezebel, uh, Jezebel is Ahab's uh, wife, and uh, who kind of tries to guide him towards other other uh, gods. And, so over and over again, you kind of get this pattern. Second Kings, that's that's that fills out second, First Kings. Second Kings, you kind of have the same thing going on more and more. Elijah uh, eventually um, uh, goes off. He, he is actually pulled up into heaven by a chariot. And so we're actually going to hear that story right now, just because it's uh, a fun one and kind of important when we get to the New Testament. All right, so let's hear a little bit from Second Kings chapter 2 and a little more about Elisha. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 
Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And thank you, Arnett Scharf. All right, so pretty crazy story. Uh, that's important mostly because Elijah, because he never dies, no one ever sees him die, right? So he shows up as somebody who can, who kind of also bears the coming of the Lord. And so um, with Passover traditions, Elijah becomes you empty, you set an empty spot so that Elijah can uh, might show up and eat with you on Passover. It also becomes important with Jesus because that coming of of who Elijah is will show up again when we get to. To, uh, Jesus's story. Now, this pattern of uh, good kings, but mostly bad kings, happens over and over and over again. And the people having their loyalty torn between different political rulers, um, between different empires, not just their own, but different empires, uh, and also different gods, because there are still these people who want to pull them to, to worship other gods and other idols. And so what ends up happening is, is that that story happens over and over again. It happens through 2 Kings. There's The next two books are First and Second Chronicles, which are kind of retelling the stories of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, but just in a slightly different way. It's a little bit more um, um, uh, oriented towards the temple, uh, towards the importance of David, all those different kinds of things. And what will end up happening, though, is that because there are these larger uh, empires out there, eventually they will take them over. And so the first first nation that falls, because we have those two nations, is Israel. And Assyria will come and take them over. And their practice was to take all the leaders, take all the kind of important people, and then just throw them everywhere around their empire. And so some would go back to the capital, and some would go to this city over here, and to that city over there. But the point is, is that they didn't live where they were, and so they couldn't be uh, important there any longer. Then later on, about 150 years later, the same thing happens in Judah. And so now the people at the end of all of these uh, books, at the end of the time of the kings, have really been scattered all over the world. Or, uh, and so there's sort of this question of the sense of being displaced, of not being sure what home was, uh, what family was, and more importantly, uh, where God was in the midst of all of these things. And so the, the voices of the prophets will become even more important as they are going through this. And so we'll talk about them in two weeks. Next week we'll talk about uh, the Psalms, uh, some of the other um, songs that show up in the Bible, as well as some of the wisdom literature. But um, one of the questions that I think I, wanna, I want you to think, talk, think a little bit about and maybe talk about in your family, 
what are those things um, whenever you have felt there's this idea of loyalty being torn in multiple directions that happens from Joshua uh, all the way through the end of this time of the kings. So when have you felt like your your loyalty, the things that are important to you, get pulled in different directions? How have you tried to handle that? All right. Um, I look forward to seeing you. Take care.